just like to look. I like to go to the airport and watch people too, so that's just sit for hours. I wonder what the story is there. So um, let me give you a little bit of information. Um, I had a a colleague that used to say, let me talk to you from the front porch. Let let me sit out here and and talk to you from the front porch for a minute. And uh, so give me a, a little bit of your attention for that, and then we'll shift gears and we'll get right into the message this morning. We're going to be looking at Acts 10 along with a couple of other passages of Scripture, but um, coming up in a few weeks, um, March will be upon us before we know it. I mean, wow. Uh, But March 6th um, is Ash Wednesday. Um, That may have been part of your tradition growing up, remembering Lent and and Ash Wednesday services and the imposition of ashes on your forehead. That, That may have been a part of your tradition growing up. Um, I don't know, but Lent always marks a, a period of anticipation and preparation for um, the remembrance of Good Friday and the celebration of Easter. And um, I used to have a, I used to have a, a colleague in ministry. He'd tell me, he'd say, "You you Protestants are all the same. You're always in a hurry to get to Easter." And I said, "Well, yeah, I'm, I'm in a hurry to get to Easter and talk about the resurrection. I mean, if it wasn't for the resurrection, well, what would I have? I mean, really." But uh, I I got his sentiment, and uh, so for many years, the observation of Lent has been a part of my spiritual routine, the the observation of of those those, uh, weeks leading up to Good Friday and Easter have been a part of my routine. And this year, I wanted to take advantage of that as a church. I wanted us to collectively take advantage of that. So for um, beginning March 6th, Pastor Ryan is going to, on March 6th, lead us in a in uh, an Ash Wednesday service uh, and uh, begin the season of Lent for us that always marks a period of fasting and prayer. Um, historically, in the Evangelical Church and the Wesleyan Church, really, we, we have done that. We have marked that period of time, as, and that's usually when revivals are associated with that period of time. People try to schedule their revivals around the end of February and, and try to get it all in to revive us for those periods and uh, preparation for that. Well, I um, wanted us to take advantage of the, the full six weeks this year. So what we have purpose to do as a church is on Wednesdays for the period of Lent beginning March 6th, and we'll, we'll have some literature that we will uh, give to you in the, in the coming week. It'll be available to you this week, probably even by next Sunday, um, listing this and letting you know what's going on. But each Wednesday night, we propose to have a meal. Um, Mike and his crew are going to prepare a meal. We'll start at 5.30 and we'll, 5, 5.30, I don't think we've set an exact time yet for that, have we, Mike? Uh, but um, we'll, we'll eat just like we, we have done in historically for revival. But instead of three days of revival, we're going to have six weeks of revival. So for the following six Wednesdays, there will be a different speaker and a different worship leader coming in to Faith Wesleyan Church from... Uh, from different places. Uh, first week will be um, 
uh, Pastor Mike Koloff from Trinity Wesleyan in Indianapolis, and, and he's going to bring his worship leader, Josh Lavender, will come down and, and lead us that night. The next week, Dr. Ed Love from, uh, from the International Center, he is the Director of Church Growth and Multiplication. He will be speaking to us, and then, and then the next week hasn't quite been firmed up yet, but then following that will be... Uh, will be David Drury, and, and uh, I'll be speaking with Ken Murphy of Cypress Wesleyan. David Drury is the chief of staff of the Wesleyan Church. He'll be coming in, and uh, College Wesleyan Church uh, in Marion is going to bring their worship team down, and we've got a couple of other worship teams that we're working with to, to uh, make Wednesday nights for Lent something different, something out of the box, something uh, so we'll eat and we'll have... Uh, a revival service on Wednesday night every week through the period of Lent. What do you think about that idea? Are you, are you in for that? Are you up for that? I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a great idea for the church. I, I think it'll uh, be an opportunity for us all to come together and, uh, and prepare our hearts as we anticipate remembering the greatest story ever told, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. It's the amazing news that we have to share. All right? I'm off the front porch now. Now I'm on my soapbox. Okay. The past, the past has a nostalgia to it that the future never does. The past has a nostalgia to it that the future never does. Park that over here um, and hold on to that and uh, we'll maybe refer to it once or twice as we work through the message today, but our subject today is thresholds. I wanna talk about thresholds. Think about, think about how many thresholds you crossed this morning. From one room to another from outside to inside, from inside to outside. How many do you cross in a day? How many thresholds as you move from one type of place to another? And thresholds. To be on the verge, to be on the brink, at the doorway, an entrance, a threshold, an opening an opportunity. The longer I know Jesus, the longer that I serve him, the more I am inclined to think that the journey of faith is no different. When God brings us to a new level of obedience or trust, there's a threshold. Cross it. Or God stretches us beyond our comfort zones. God takes us and opens up a new place that's before us, it's a threshold. Or God introduces a new element or a twist. It could be said that we are at a threshold, on the verge, a doorway to a new place. And crossing a threshold ushers us into a greater understanding of God, who he is, what he's like, how we're to live before him, understanding his purposes fresh way enlarges our faith, our trust in him. We've never been here before, God. 
Thresholds of belief are a fact of spiritual growth. Moving forward with God usually, I should strike that, moving forward with God always, always involves crossing thresholds. Always. We see it again and again in the Scriptures. Thresholds mark our progress. They represent forward movement in our spiritual maturity. And it makes sense then that it would be precisely at thresholds that we experience perhaps sometimes the most pressure, the most resistance, the most dissonance in our spirits. The Hebrew word for threshold, safath, captures the idea of ambivalence and resistance. Like many Hebrew words, the range of meaning paints a picture like an artist with a a canvas and a a palette of paint. Oftentimes, Hebrew words carry a range of meaning that, that paint a picture for us that are much broader than our simple English words, like safaf. It means to wait at the threshold. It means to wait. It means I'm up against it. I'm right here. I'm, there it is. I can see it. And it also carries the meaning to snatch away, like you miss the opportunity, like it's there and then it's gone. And here we are at a threshold waiting New spiritual place, hearing God's invitation to step across. Meanwhile, we resist and apply the brakes, dig in because, why? I can't see what's on the other side of that, God. Really. Or the enemy comes to strike fear in us and snatch the moment away. I think it's perhaps one of the saddest epitaphs, Jeremiah 46, 17. New Living Translation, God says, give the Pharaoh the name King Bombast. King Bombast, why? Because he missed his moment. Call him King Bombast from here on out. He missed it. As I was preparing for today, I got to thinking about Abraham. We, we are quite familiar with the story of Abram, right? We, we know he and his wife Sarai, they're, they're childless. They're, they've been called to trust God and move forward with God. And, and Abram has only one problem. He says, you know, I don't have any one to pass on. The inheritance too. And God comes to him, and in chapter 15 of Genesis, he says, Abram, do not be afraid. I'm your shield and your very great reward. And Abram says, I get all that, God, but my relative is going to inherit everything. There's no one to pass it on to, God. I'd really like to cross this threshold of belief, God, but... Abram can't see it. God says, let's take a walk. Let's get outside your tent, Abram. And let's, let's take an evening stroll, Abram, and, and, and look up. What do you see? 
What do you see at night in Indiana? Clouds. I don't know. <laughs> Stars. Right? On the horizon, twinkling, it's been said that with the naked eye, you can see uh, maybe 5,000, but only 2,500 at a time because you can only be on one side of the earth at a time, so you only see 2,500. But God tells Abram, look up, and what do you see? Count them if you can, Abram, and he says, Abram, your descendants will be more numerous than those stars. What if Abraham said, I don't believe you? What if Abraham just went back in his tent, crossed the threshold back in his tent? But he didn't because the scriptures tell us that Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abram believed God. Fast forward a little bit with me to John chapter 6. Maybe, maybe not as familiar to you, the address not as familiar to you, but people are following Jesus, and in one day, more people unfollow Jesus than at any other time. They've been following, they've, crowds have been gathering, and, and Jesus has been healing and performing miracles, and, and the people want to know who this, who this guy is. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one we've been waiting for? And even, even people, Gentiles are gathering, and they're all coming, and the religious leaders are watching what's going on, and all of a sudden, Jesus starts teaching about, I am the bread of life, come down from heaven. If you believe in me, you'll never go hungry. You'll never thirst. Greater than the manna that God provided through Moses in the wilderness, I am the bread of life. And the people are still there. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, unless you drink my blood, eat my flesh, you have no part in me. And everybody's with him right up until that threshold of, of belief. What does, he, what does he mean by that? And Jesus is trying to and, and help us understand more fully who he is and what he's come to do and what, what he wants to do for us. And the people are scratching their heads and they're, ah. And even the disciples say, Jesus, that's a hard teaching. Who can understand? Stand it. And what happens next? What happens next? Everybody starts to leave. Everybody starts to turn away. And it's like, it's like this. Well, Jesus, it's okay when you're performing miracles. It's okay when you're healing the blind, when you're, when you're causing the lame to walk. It's okay when you're providing miracle manna out here in the desert. It's okay when loaves and fishes turn into a golden corral feast. But now you want us to think And Jesus looks 
at the disciples, namely Peter. And he says what? Do you want to go home too? Do you want to leave as well? And Peter, these amazing words. Where else are we going to go, Jesus? Only you, only you have the words of eternal life. It's threshold. Fast forward one more time. Acts chapter 10. Peter's life crosses path with a Roman centurion named Cornelius. For those who know, the newsboys have a great song, Cornelius. You should ask Cheryl. I preached a sermon on Cornelius one time called Genuine Genuflect. She said, don't do that again, Bob. And here in Acts 10, we see that Peter is like Abram at a threshold, like everyone else at a threshold. Two visions, one meaning. Cornelius has a vision, and angel visits him and says, send for Peter. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's. Go get him. Peter also has a dream, a vision. He's, uh, he's waiting for his lunch to be prepared, and, and uh, he's hungry, and he's thinking about dinner, I suppose, and what he's going to have. The Scriptures say he falls into a trance, and a blanket is lowered with all kinds of animals on it, and the Lord says to him, kill and eat. Verse 14 of chapter 10, Peter says, Surely not, Lord. Surely not. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice comes back. Don't call anything that I have made unclean. And the men arrive, sent by Cornelius, and they say, we've been sent, you're to come with us, and Peter immediately goes. And the scriptures say that Peter's still thinking about the vision. Peter's still wrestling with what's going on, what is happening here, what is God asking me to believe, what is he stretching me, he's at a threshold, and then we get the answer, it wasn't about food at all, was it? Peter's vision wasn't about food at all. The, the incident playing out in Acts chapter 10 isn't about food at all. It's about, it's about people like Cornelius and all the other Gentiles who matter, everybody else who matters. They matter to God. They ought to matter to us. Peter meets Cornelius and they exchange conversations. And in verse 34 of chapter 10, Peter realizes... His words, 
I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And Peter crosses a threshold. He realizes, he realizes that the goal of faith is not to become a Jew. And the goal of faith is not to follow a list of rules and regulations. And he realizes that the goal of faith is simply this. The aim of our faith is a restored, eternal relationship with God just as it was in the beginning. Let me say that again, church. Peter realizes and teaches us that the aim of our faith is a restored, eternal relationship with God. You see, Peter knew this. He, he had learned this already, right? On the shores of the Sea of Galilee, after his big moment and his, his threshold moment that he bumped up again, surely you were with, with him. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know the man Jesus. And after his big failure of courage, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus restores the relationship. So Peter knew this. He'd experienced it. He'd even preached it, right? At Pentecost, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's quoting the prophets. I guess if, if you were going to say, what's your point this morning? Here's my point. It's really hard to unlearn some things, isn't it? I mean, you, th you think about the, the people following Jesus, and all of a sudden they, they turn back and they go the other way. What did they go back to? The familiar, what they knew. Jesus was calling them into an unknown, a, a, a new area, of an, and, they, and they just turn back and they go back to what they know. It's safer back there. It's safer over here on this side of the threshold. It's the same. And I'd see this when, when I was a, a chaplain at the homeless shelter, the Coco Re, Kokomo Rest, Coco Rest, Kokomo rescue mission. I would see this all the time. Angie, I would see it time and time and time again. Guys would come in and they'd, they'd learn patterns of living. 
They'd, they'd learned how do they, how do they respond in, in crisis? How do they respond when, when unfamiliar feelings, they, they return to what they know, how they can deal with the chaos in their lives. We see this with abuse victims. We wonder, why don't they just leave? But they just go back to what they know because I know how to deal with that. I don't know. To this day, if I'm in a conversation and somebody raises their voice or they start pounding their fist or they do this or they start, and I talk like this. To this day, I see my father. And I react the same way. Shut down. I recognize it now. It's really hard to unlearn. Can I give you a secret? That's the point of children's ministry. If you want to invest in the most important ministry in Faith Wesleyan Church, go see Jamie Hembry and sign up for children's ministry. Tradition, bias, Latent racism that lingers in us. Preferences. They're all hard to let go of at thresholds in our lives. And here's Peter right up against it. Oh no, Lord, I've always been taught never to eat that stuff. And God has to help him cross. And he has to help us cross too. We have to overcome our fears. Fear of what? Oh, I don't know, that God's going to call us out of our comfort zone? Oh, that he's going to stretch us? I was talking with Lauren this week. I, I'm so excited. Uh, Lauren Daffron is going to serve a supervised ministry here at, uh, at Faith this, this, uh, this semester, and uh, I get to pour into her. And so um, it's going to be fun for me to, to have that opportunity. I hope it turns out to be fun and rewarding for her. But we were talking about this, and, and I said, so what, what keeps us from crossing the threshold when God brings us up against us? She said, first thing out of her mouth, traditions and comfort zones. So you don't have to think. Comfort zones. What are they for you? Fear.
But if I let go and step across, I know how to live here. God, I don't know how here. Overcome our need for control and predictability. Anybody else? I like control. I like predictability. I'm a change proponent, and, and I like to move the furniture around in our home quite often. Cheryl goes to Marion for a weekend. The whole house is rearranged. What happened? I got bored. I restless. It's a restless spirit within me. I like change. It's just the way God wired me. I don't know. But I like predictability. I like to be the one to do the rearranging. Right? <laughs> We might as well just admit it. We like sameness. We'd much prefer to do laps. I want the church service to be predictable when I walk in. I want to see the same people. I love what Beth Moore says. By the way, I, I'm just going to say this. My, my respect for Beth Moore has grown leaps and bounds in the last few months as she's addressed time and again some of the issues and challenges that women have faced in our culture and in our society as she takes on the established faith community and, and speaks to leaders and speaks to those in authority. My admiration for her continues to grow and grow and grow. And you would do well to avail yourself to some of her teaching, whether you're a woman or not. She speaks with authority and she writes with authority. And she says this, we derive so much security from sameness, not saneness, Sameness, with an M as in Mary. But sameness is rarely a human option because things change all the time. Nobody asked me if they could invent the iPhone and change the world. Nobody asked me that. I don't have control. I, I like to fool myself and tell myself I do, but we have so little control over anything. She writes, we derive so much security from sameness, but sameness is rarely a human option, especially, listen to this, especially for redeemed people ever under construction. I am a work in progress. especially for redeemed people ever under construction, being conformed to the image of Christ. God is doing something in me. He is conforming me more and more and more to the very image of his son, Jesus Christ. God had no 
God had no His intention was never to save me and leave me the same. His intention has always been to mess up my little dollhouse. And to continually bring me to thresholds of belief, of will I believe and trust and obey? Will I on this journey? His intention was never for me to do laps. Sameness, Beth Moore goes on to write, is not my savior. Jesus is. Sameness is not my security. Jesus is. Jesus. Jesus, the one who faced his own set of thresholds in his life on earth. Like the one in Gethsemane. Right, Lori? He's on a point. And he knows what it will mean to cross this threshold, to, to continue to obey the Father and step into God's, his Father's will for his life. He is wrestling, like Peter wrestling with, uh, Jesus is wrestling with and sweating great drops of blood over a rock in Gethsemane. Father, take this cup. I don't want to cross this threshold. And you got to see it, the enemy, the unseen enemy is there pestering Jesus the entire time, trying to get him to turn back and give up on his mission. Jesus, no one's going to care. Jesus, this isn't going to matter for anything. Jesus, no one's going to believe this. Jesus, it's just pointless. Jesus, just quit. Go back to sameness. Hang out with your disciples. Isn't that a good life? Jesus, don't go forward. And Jesus says, yet not my will, but thine. Be done. But I've always heard I've always heard that if you, you, you start a second service that it'll split the church and create two churches instead of one not if you don't want it to Not if you refuse to choose sides and not if you refuse to let that root grow up 
not if you refuse to listen to the enemy whose main ambition is always to seek to divide the church. Not if we continue to pray for one another and encourage one another and attend one and serve one and see what God is doing in the beauty of each individual expression of worship. I would say that's pretty much up to us to decide, wouldn't you, church? For my part, I just want to tell you I love you all. And with my last ounce of energy, before you carry me down to the funeral home, the call on my life is to maintain the reality that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen? So, this is where I'm going to land the plane. Dylan always told me, land the plane, Dad, land the plane, land the plane, land the plane. Is it possible that some of us are up against a threshold of belief right now? Maybe it's, it's, it's a diagnosis from the doctor. I don't know. Maybe it's, God, you're asking me to believe something that we've never done before. I don't know how this is going to work. Maybe, maybe it's, God, this isn't the way I thought this was going to go, but if you say so, I'll follow. Is it possible the resistance you sense in your life right now as you bump up against that threshold is actually an indication that God is ready to move you forward into a new spiritual room where you will learn more and experience more and trust him more than you could have ever imagined? Is it possible? Is it possible that God may be inviting you into a greater life, a richer life, a fuller life? Maybe even today to push you from death to life. I don't know. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing. Worship team's going to come and lead us. Before they come, let me say this. threshold of faith, on the verge of a breakthrough, stepping through a doorway. Your temptation is always to say, but I don't know how this is going to go. Let the author of the book of Hebrews inspire you this morning 
who wrote to people who were on the verge, on the brink, ready to go back, ready to retreat into the safety net of sameness. But we are not like those who shrink back. We are not like them. We are not like those who shrink back and are destroyed. No, 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 no. We have our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, who has run the race, who has finished the course, who has marked it out for us, and who is with us every step of the way. The one who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father, is among us this morning and says, trust me. Trust me. Believe and step. This is the invitation. This is the call of God. We're going to sing, I'm going to get out of the way. Thresholds in your life, where do I need to believe God right now for the next step? I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm just going to say a message like this cannot have a passive response. It cannot have a, well, I'll just sit in my seat and think about it, preacher. You've been talking to us about stepping over thresholds. You've been talking to us about the next step with God and him opening up a doorway and a new room of faith, belief of life. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and I saw a few of you nudge your neighbor, it's amazing what I see from up there. If God is saying to you, I know it's scary. I know you don't know how this is going. I, I know, I know I'm stretching you. I'm going I'm to challenge you to step out. And physically step across that threshold. Come and meet with God. And let him help you today. All right? So the response is step out. Come forward. And then we'll pray. Let's sing.